Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For today's episode, I'm joined by Sadia Mirza. Sadia, thanks for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Desmond. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I came across your account last year, I think after after Uvalde, and you had made a video talking about uh, basically the tragedy that happened there. And I've been kind of following your account ever since. Love the love the way that you cover, you know, stories going on in the news day in and day out. And so I was really excited to have a chance to talk to you today about a variety of different issues. But before we get into kind of, you know, what's been going on in the news, you know, today and what's been going on for the last few months, uh, the first thing I want to ask you is a personal question, more or less about you. You told me in the first time that we spoke that you were a Republican when you were younger. Tell me a little bit more about the transition, like, like what exactly happened that led you away from the Republican Party, I guess, a few years back? Sure. Uh, it was quite some time back. I, I'm turning 38 uh, in uh, less than a month. And uh, this was when I was like 16. Oh, okay. And so, so a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it, I mean, it takes time. And I guess uh, it starts with the immigrant story. My grandparents were immigrants here. Um, with my dad, who was like six at the time, and my grandfather was a little bit more traditional, um, you know, raised my dad that way. And then when my dad married my mom, my mom came from Pakistan, she wasn't really involved in politics. They had me, I'm the oldest child of my entire family, uh, eldest cousin, everything. So I kind of just did, you know, I didn't have an older sibling to look to. So I kind of just did what, you know, I saw my grandparents doing, my, my dad doing, my parents doing. And as I grew older and, you know, you get into some history courses and things um, here in Texas, we have a very edited version of history, even back when I've heard back in the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, like, you know, oh, the Native Americans, um, you know, welcome the the Christopher Columbus. And, you know, they didn't know how to feed themselves. And I remember being like, that, that's interesting that they, they didn't they, they seem to be doing fine here. But OK, so, you know, my my that was like one of my first like like delves into history. And then as I grew older, um, I noticed that my dad would always say, you have to vote. You have to vote at every election from dog catcher to, you know, president, every election is important. And so he would talk about, my grandparents would talk about like, we, you know, we have um, a lot of Judeo-Christian values in Islam. And my, my, my grandfather was a practicing Muslim. And so I just kind of followed what they did. And, you know, very much when we come to this country, you know, you have to pay pay your taxes, do play, th uh, do things by the by the rules. And so I just did what they told me. But as I was growing older, and you know, you get into debate classes and stuff, people were asking me like, okay, pick a side, uh, death penalty or no death penalty. And I was the only woman of color that walked to the pro pro, pro death penalty side, and I was like. I don't know why I'm the only person here. Um, and then, and, and, you know, I'm just parroting what my parents say at this point. And then as yeah. you go through high school, um, you know, I would go with my parents to different, they had Republican events and committees. And I noticed we were kind of always being pushed into the corner. We were the only, again, people of color at these events. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it just started like that. And then my dad sent me to the young Republicans meeting and it was for teens. And again, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, because actually, if I'm thinking about what these people are saying and what they stand for, it's completely opposite of what I think is actually normal. Uh, so I was very scared to tell my parents that as I'm growing older and I'm understanding what I'm saying, 
and I'm not just parroting what they're saying that this doesn't look right. And so I started creating videos uh, back in the early 2000s. I went to school for you know video production and I made art videos about politics and George W. Bush and you know the wars that were going on. And that was kind of my coming out of my political kind of spectrum to them without being so overt. And now obviously everybody's super, super progressive and very liberal, you know, some of them not so much as others, but it's been a journey. Uh, and I would say yeah. the biggest driving factor of itself was the Republican party being the Republican party. Well, it's kind of hard to argue against that. Right. I mean, it's interesting. The further we get away from something like the Iraq war and going into Afghanistan, it feels as though it almost feels like ancient history. But for a lot of people, that was like their political awakening. I think a lot more people probably resonate with something more recently, like Trump getting into office or maybe the rise of Bernie Sanders, which those kind of came at the exact same time. You know, for me, something where a little in between where I think the Occupy Wall Street stuff that I was seeing around 2010, 2011, that really was something for me that got me more politically motivated. And whatever the case may be for why someone gets into politics, this is something I'm always just curious about, you know, like what issues people are, I guess, more or less focusing on when they see all the different issues that are popping up in the world. For you, you're someone who is constantly in the news every single day posting about it. What is the biggest issue for you right now with everything going on? Uh, something that maybe you just keep coming back to that you just can't help but take your eyes off of. Uh, definitely gun control um, here in Texas. And, you know, I see it firsthand, but we just had a shooting the other day right down and we live in suburbia. Um, I have yeah. a house here and, you know, it's 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 pretty peaceful out here. Nothing really goes on. We're right on the outskirts of Houston. There was a shooting at a pizza place. Uh, two people got into an argument in a parking lot at a pizza place and he decided to pull his gun out and shoot the guy in the leg and run. And I'm just like, this is our everyday here. It's, yeah, it's constant. And, and, you know, there's kids that, that text me or not text me. They send me DMS. I don't answer them. Sorry guys. If you're not 18, I'm not about to respond to your messages, but I see them and, and how concerned you are, how you're faking being sick. Cause you don't want to go to school. And, and I see that daily. I see that yeah. from a lot of Texans. I see that from a lot of people in Louisiana, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that are locked in by where they live and how those gun laws affect them. That's something that keeps bringing me back. And then obviously as a woman who is married, who I don't know where I stand right now on, you know, family planning, um, me not being able to go to a gynecologist and feel confident that, Hey, I'm going to be considered what they call a geriatric pregnancy, that if something goes wrong, that my yeah. doctor will be able to make the best decisions for me and my husband, if I'm incapacitated, my husband will be able to keep me safe. So on a personal level, these are things that constantly keep bringing me back. And, um, you know, we, we marched for this many years ago and the Obama administration, you know, I, I, they never got to codifying Roe v. Wade. And now we're here where one single judge here on a federal circuit here in Texas has essentially taken away the abortion pill for now, it's it's still available, but these things are creeping up from a local level to a national level. And somebody who's living on a local level, I'll tell you, it's really tough. These two basic things that you should feel secure about is just going to school and being safe and going to your doctor being safe. Those two basic needs aren't being met for sure. Yeah. And we're seeing evidence of this all over the place, right? You know, it's it's interesting. I, I think sometimes depending on where you live at, you almost get desensitized to it after a while. Like I grew up, you know, right outside of Philadelphia. And I remember being, watching the news with my grandparents every single day. 
And you would hear stories about people being shot and killed in Philadelphia every single day, like no exaggeration, every single day. And, and so I think after a while, you almost like just learn to live with it. But the question is, do we, should we really have to live with it? You know, I mean, like just going a little bit more recently here, obviously there was the shooting that happened in Nashville, right? Which led to the protests, you know, at the Tennessee Capitol, uh, led to the Tennessee three, two of them being expelled. And, you know, obviously at the time of this recording that both of those people who've been expelled have been reinstated. But I, I want to ask you the, the importance of that story more particularly, you know, because as we're seeing people in state legislatures trying to speak out more and, you know, standing up for, for gun control in red states, how important is that story in your opinion? Just, just the whole like, spectrum of it. It was monumental, not just on gun control, but also on the racial divide here. And, you know, like just the mannerisms that that certain certain Congress people had towards the Tennessee three and yeah. two of them particularly, both the Justins, right? Um, so I think it was monumental. I think the fact that they are representing their constituents that are begging for gun control, right? You've got students that have filled the halls. I know some people on the right like to liken, uh, like to compare it to the insurrection saying that it's the same thing, but I don't think six-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds protesting peacefully, which they're allowed to do at the Capitol, saying, hey, protect me. You keep saying, save the kids. So actually do it, right? Right. You, you, they're being represented by people. They've got people walking alongside them saying, we understand you, we hear you because we were elected by you. And that that's a problem because it conflicts with your NRA checks. It was such a, such a, it was such a blatant, the disrespect, the fact that they, that they used their decorum, right? Like what was, what were they thrown out on that you, that ju both the Justins and Gloria approached the well without being recognized. Yeah. So you're it, finding these yeah. technicalities. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. They were just finding technicalities to silence them. It, it was an obvious, just overreach of power. You know, it, it was, it was pretty blatant that they didn't actually you know, really have an issue. They were just using the opportunity to flex their power. Exactly. And then who was the who was the congressperson when um, Justin uh, Jones was taking video of the halls, showing the students inside, and you know, um, uh, he 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 attacked him. There was a, a, a there was one of the congressmen. I forget the Republican congressman at the moment. He reached back and smacked the phone out of his hand, or tried to reach for his phone. And that's okay though, but not approaching a not approaching the well, um, you know, without being recognized. Like I said, it it was it was not eye opening to those of us in the South because we're very well aware that that there is a discrimination going on here, that there is a priority of inanimate objects and clumps of cells that don't exist versus real people that exist. Right. So we we see it daily, and um, I think this was important because it was on a national level where people got to see these people, but I'm glad to a certain degree it happened because we have new champions for us. We see Justin Pearson, we see, you know, Justin Jones, Gloria, we see all of them and we say, wow, they were willing to stand up against this entire body and stand for what's right. So I think at a national level, we gained three heroes. Yeah. And, you know, just going on that a little bit, it was so obvious just how much of a farce it all was. You know, I, I, I'll have to admit that I, I'm confused as to, you know, like which Justin is which, but the, the one in particular from Nashville, you know, when he was able to go up in front of the, um, in front of the house and speak and talking about the different members, you know, of the state legislature who had one been like 
uh, admitted to what was it abusing a child another one peeing who in was a seat. Un- yeah another person who was peeing in a seat another person who was under federal investigation is just like it, it was obviously all a joke none of those people have been expelled but you expelled two people for what what bringing a megaphone into you know into the halls and protesting with people no it, it's a joke he was like basically you were trying to say hey we have the power to get rid of you we don't like that you're using your voice it it, it just feels as though the party that's constantly complaining about cancel culture and censorship, but you know, took the first opportunity to cancel somebody and censor them when they had the ability to. So, but that's just my bias coming out here a little bit. Let me let me kind of pivot a second here, though. Talk about gun control. This is something that I kind of want to pick your thoughts on. We hear that phrase all the time, and I think for different people, it has different meanings. And so maybe what I consider to be gun control might be different than what somebody else considers to be gun control. So, you know, as content creators, you know, I'm always just interested in how somebody else feels because we're essentially disseminating more information to more people. So for you, when you think of the phrase gun control, what exactly does that mean like for you? And what do you think the solution should be as far as limiting gun violence in America? Sure. Uh, For me personally, (laughs) I I don't I wish in an in a ideal world that yeah. does not exist that we could not we did not have guns. But in saying that I acknowledge that we have a second amendment. Yeah. I acknowledge that people use it for protection. I acknowledge that it needs to be there because these are the rights awarded to the people that live here and that are citizens of the United States. So when they say gun control, I mean we were fine when back when they banned the AR-15s and the the automatic rifles, the assault rifles. Um, And when they let that expire, and we've seen the number of mass shootings skyrocket and it be a gun that is always the choice, it's the preferred choice of a mass shooter, right? Because if you go down the list, that's always the one that they use. Right. And it does the most damage. And if, and you know, I know a lot of people are like here, especially here in Texas, well, I want to keep it because I go hunting with it. I don't know what you're hunting, an obliterated deer. Okay, because- I've, you know, there's videos out that show what one of those shots does at the receiving end. And when I hear gun control, I hear we need to make sure that those kinds of weapons that don't serve any real purpose in hunting, in protection, and that are the center of this controversy and are causing the deaths of a lot of our young people, that needs to be taken out. Um, We need to do background checks. Uh, Japan is a good example of how they do the background checks. You have to pass, you know, mental health examinations. Uh, You have to be able to prove like, you know, that you're storing guns in a certain way. Uh, I know a lot of people, um, and I had brought this up before, and uh, I said, you know, we need insurance to do almost everything in this day and age. You should have insurance. You should charge parents, um, you know, if if their, their child gets away with their gun, they should be charged as well. Like there's so many suggestions and at no point does it say, take away guns. I am all for regulations that are going to make it safer to, for, for kids to go to school, for us to go to the malls, for us to go to church. Like there is no place that I can name that there has not been a mass shooting and now they're everywhere. Yeah. And you know what they, they, you know, a lot of people bring up these, these metal detectors and, Oh, we can do this. Why are you bending over backwards to make room for these one or two problem creating guns. And if you're a gun owner at this point, and you are one of those people that are against background checks and red flag laws, then you are the exact epitome 
of an irresponsible gun owner. Because if you don't see a problem with what's going on in society and you don't want to have a solution, then you're the then then you are the problem. Hey, you know, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, you know, I, I live in a red state too. And I so I talk to people here who are conservative, uh, people who vote Republican, people who vote libertarian. I think the number one thing that they always mention to me when they're able to have like a more candid conversation is that they're afraid of like the slippery slope. You know, they they all, one thing that I, I seems to be a really consistent theme, which seems a little troubling to me, but I'll save that conversation for another day. So a lot of like grand conspiracy ideas that seem to come about yeah. all the time. It's just like this, like this belief that the government has this great plot to somehow submerge, you know, democracy and, and take all your guns away. It, it seems to be this almost like this, this fear that's like perpetuated through everyone. And, and the more that I pay attention to politics, I'm just like a great plot. They can't do anything, you know, like effectively that any, anyway, you know, for me, it really comes down to this. It, it's a numbers thing. Cause as you said, we have a second amendment that's never going anywhere. I personally don't think the second amendment needs to be repealed, but if we're going to continue to have guns in our society, it just makes sense to me that we are finding ways to reduce the amount of gun deaths. And there's so many different ways you can do yes. that. You know, I, I think for one, for, for me, seeing the statistics about who perpetuates gun violence the most, it's honestly, it's a huge percentage of just people at a certain age. I, I think, yes. what was it, like between the ages of 16 to 24, it was 25. over eight. Yeah, 25, yeah, was, yep over 80% of all like gun violence is perpetuated by that age group. I mean, just raising the age up, you know, to, to purchase yeah. a firearm to 21 or, tw or even 25, even that would sure. substantially lower the amount of people who are dying, you know, by gun violence every single year on top of background right. checks, red flag laws, things of that nature, having people maybe like every few years have to go and renew their, their a license of some sort and get yes. training. Like th these things aren't asking a whole lot in my opinion, you know, I, I just don't understand more or less why the hesitation is there other than, again, that fear of the of the grand conspiracy of some sorts. But I would hope that most rational people would see that the goal for people like myself, when I talk about gun control, is that what we're really trying to say is there's too many people dying from gun violence in America, and it doesn't have to be this many. It doesn't have to be anywhere close to this many. We can change that if we just do a couple of things that honestly just make a whole lot of sense, you know? But- we, we're stuck in a society where people are just so afraid of something that's not coming that we can't really move any further from where we're currently at. But hopefully that will change over time, you know? And well, that's the NRA. That's the NRA that's been planting that seed. They've been doing this. Like I said, some yeah. of us have been watching this way longer than than a lot of the people that are new voters that were even born. They yeah. have been planting this ideology for years at their conventions that they're going to take it away. They're going to strip these rights from you. Like I said, we had this before. We had the assault weapons ban. Nobody yeah. else came for your guns. No, nothing happened to your guns, and your guns aren't a free for all. There are the Second Amendment is is you know you have the right to bear arms in a well regulated militia. There's no militia. This is this has nothing to do with hunting. This has nothing to do with your right just to have one. There was even parameters back then. So yeah. the bastardization of the Second Amendment, because I, I guarantee you they can't, they don't care about quartering the troops or any other, <laughs> any other amendment that's there, or do they know that they exist? But this push has been solely responsible, uh, responsibility of the NRA, and of course we know that 
a lot of the GOP, Ted Cruz, all these people are on their, their payroll and they get hundreds of thousands of dollars to continue to vote against any sort of sensible gun control. And, you know, I think it was Bill Lee. He calls, and so Bill Lee calls for an order of protection law to keep guns away from dangerous individuals. Uh, so it it's aimed at strengthening background checks for firearm purchases um, and in including calling for lawmakers to pass an order of protection. So what that what those parameters are, we're not sure. But the fact that it had to affect them personally before they took even the first minuscule step, whether it's a sham or not, right? Why does it have to affect you personally? You know, I know a lot of people are, this, there's a stupid conversation, especially going around in Texas that, you know, we, you know, to keep kids safe, you should just homeschool. And it's like, <laughs> homeschooling is a privilege, first of all. That means that somebody is a lot, somebody can be home to to take care of your kids. Right. Number two, how are people going to afford that? Yeah. How are you going to afford that? Number two, you guys were going nuts during COVID and you're like, we need schools open. We need to send our kids somewhere. And now you're going to take, take, take hold of their education from their entire preliminary years. I don't think so. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a individual solution to a societal problem. Homeschooling is not a solution. Giving kids bulletproof backpacks is not a solution. Making them do school shooter drills and have little buckets in the classroom for like supplies and stuff. And, uh, in case a school shooter comes in and then that bucket converts into a little makeshift toilet that they can use if they have to, all this, you're, you're okay with doing all of this for a stupid gun. I'm just never going to understand it. No, but I think you put it so eloquently, you know, it's the power of lobbying and it is something that is pervasive throughout Washington. And I, I think, you know, every election cycle, we're always constantly talking about like how much we need to get these people out of Washington, right? We, well, but we dress up a little bit differently. We talk about getting the money out of politics, right? Yeah. Getting dark money out of politics. It, it's all the same thing. Lobbyists are roaming the halls of the Capitol and the White House, constantly trying to make sure that legislation either gets passed or prevent legislation from being passed that would otherwise affect their bottom line. And it leads me to my next question about our current president, Joe Biden. But before we talk about our president, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, I will ask Saudi some questions about Biden and about our former president, Donald Trump. Stay tuned. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana, that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, 
They have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before the break, I had mentioned that we were going to talk about our current president and our former president. Going to start with the current one. President Biden just announced this week that, well, kind of an impromptu way in an interview, he had said that he plans on running again in 2024, but he has not formally announced yet. All of my hopes and dreams of him not uh, running again kind of went out the window a little bit. But let me just say this just, you know, before I get into the actual question I'm going to pose to you. I voted for Joe Biden in 2020. I have no regrets for that vote. Um, Just, I mean, going back to if you asked me to do it all over again, I would have done it all over again. But the caveat here is that he was not my first, second, third or fourth choice in the Democratic primary. So I think for me, while it was absolutely pivotal to make sure that Trump did not get reelected. And so I kind of fell in line, so to speak, when it came to the November election 2020, I wanted a different Democrat on top of the ticket, you know, before we ever got to Joe Biden in the first place. And I feel as though in certain circles on the left, that's almost a taboo thing to say. You know, it's almost as if you always have to fall in line and support the president, because if you don't, then somehow you're um, propping up Republicans or or something, something to that effect. It's just a narrative that I'm very much against, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. You know, maybe you might feel a little bit differently than I do. When you heard that Biden said that he was going to run again, what were your thoughts and how have you viewed the Biden presidency so far? Uh, Same as you. And it's pretty uh, common knowledge that he wasn't my first, second, 20th, 24th choice. Um, You know, I watched his career before he was president. Um, Like I said, some of us were were there even before, you know, he was vice president. So we've seen. And we've learned, you know, the the kind of like, you know, what he did to to help Clarence prop people like Clarence Thomas up. And right. so I had my hesitations. But again, um, I, when you don't have an option other than Trump, I fell in line and did what I had to do, supported his campaign. And yeah. uh, I was like, OK, maybe this time he'll know that this 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 is not my race. This is probably better suited for somebody else. <laughs> And he did that announcement and literally it felt like the air. I was just like, why? Uh, I mean, you've done a great job for doing what you had to do. You've passed some great legislation. There's some great bills that have been passed under you. Um, Do I think that you should be running again? No. Like I said, the first time I wasn't too thrilled about it. Second time I'm even less thrilled about it, even though they invited us to the White House, right? They invited yeah. the Biden administration, reached out, invited us. It was very uh, an amazing opportunity. Um, we get briefs from them, uh, you know, about what what the president's going to talk about and things like that. So it's good to see everything that he's doing. Do I think that there is a more progressive candidate out there? One hundred thousand percent. And I really wish that he would leave that opportunity. Same thing I used to say about Nancy Pelosi. I respect right. her for everything that she has done, but let let the new blood lead let the new the progressives let the the new liberals whatever you want to call it let them in and 
limousine liberals, as I like to brand them, and people get really pissed at me for saying that, Demo uh, you know, uh, uh, career politicians, you've, you've had your time. It's time for something new. We need certain things accessible to us. We need certain firepower that you may not have the capability to wrangle out anymore. And, you know, you know mm -hmm, go ahead. It's funny because, you know, people, I, I, you know, I asked my followers just, you know, this week, I was, you know, like, what what are your thoughts on this? You know, how, how do you feel about President Biden? And I was getting a range of different, you know, reactions. Sure. Some people really didn't like him. Some people were in the middle. Some people were, you know, rah, rah, Biden, you know, like all the great things that he's done. So obviously there's no real consensus just from people in my own life, people that I'm following online, you know, like people in the media, you know, there is some, even some, a little bit of dissent on the media, which is rare um, to be fair. But one of the things that people kept asking about, which again, seems like almost like a taboo topic was the idea of someone's age being of, you know, being a factor here, Biden being 82 years old when he's going to be running for his second term. And the idea of whether or not there should be an upper limit on being able to seek out office. And sometimes when you bring up this topic, people get really kind of just like, hey, that's ageist. You shouldn't say something like that. Sure. There's no reason why someone of a certain age shouldn't be able to hold an office. However, I lost I, one of the things that I would point out is that there is a lower limit mm -hmm. for running for office, yep. 35 yep. for president, 30 yep. for senator, 25 for being in the house, I believe. Yes. And so it does seem like a little bit of a double standard, but what is Correct. your opinion on this? Do you think that there should be an upper age limit to seeking office for the presidency for Congress even? Uh, I'm glad you brought up that first point because a lot of people like to gloss that over. I'm like, well, it starts there. You know, if, if we have to be 35 to be considered wise enough or experienced enough, I tell you at, at almost 38, I don't know, we're still winging it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, 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 I just feel like I am more in touch with the people right now that are, you know, trying to figure out their finances, family planning, getting married versus somebody like my grandmother, who is also about Joe Biden's age and yeah. the world that she comes from. And while I respect, um, you know, their careers and what they've done. Uh, and I love Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is, has been my candidate for a very, very long time. Would I want Bernie Sanders running for president in my heart of hearts, I would love to. Realistically, it would not be fair to ask him to do it and then say Joe Biden is, you know, too old to to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that that um, retirement age politicians should be allowed to enjoy their retirement, just like everybody else, and or you know, go out and start businesses. But I do feel like we need to remind ourselves that we are hiring these politicians to work for us. Yeah. And how much can they work for us if they don't understand like the TikTok hearings, right? Watching even people younger than them that don't understand technology the way they should when making so decisions much. about technology. Oh my God. Yeah. And the Restrict Act, they don't even know what they're signing when it comes to the right. Restrict Act. So those are the kinds of things that bother me. Or like, you don't know that the Mifepristone is not just an abortion pill. After women give birth, sometimes people, women are just prescribed that for, you know, removing stuff that's sticking around inside. I won't TMI you, but, you know, uh, placenta and things like that. Like th this is a prescription that that is more than just terminating a pregnancy. It's not just always that, that portion of the two-part pill. Right. And so I don't expect somebody who who is 80 something years old to understand that, nor do I expect them to understand TikTok or Meta or who's lobbying them. And, but I do expect you to, to let 
the people who do understand it make those decisions. I personally don't think that Joe Biden should run again. I don't think Trump should run again for sure. Uh, say, that being said, you know, Ron DeSantis is even more dangerous than him. So it's it's kind of like, I feel like we're all screwed in this election. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be frank. And if he runs, we're all going to have to vote for him again, begrudgingly. And like I said, not not shitting on his legacy or all that he's accomplished. It's just it it's it's time to let somebody else take the reins. Yeah, I I could do a whole episode on my issues with Biden, and I have done episodes on that, and I'll probably do more in the future. So I'm going to save all of my gripes for another time. Trump, someone I want to talk to you about. Another person who would be entering their 80s if they would be reelected and obviously running for office again and the number one person polling in the Republican Party is under indictment. And it seems yeah. as though there might be a couple more to coming down the pipe. Here's the question that I wanted to ask for you about Trump in particular. There was a discussion going on online prior to uh, the DA in Manhattan uh, brag, you know, like bringing forth the indictment about the hush money payment Stormy Daniels happened back in 2016, 2017 as well. Is this the right thing to do? And, and to be fair, you know, like I believed it was the right thing to do, but I also, I thought there was some valid opinions about people who were against, you know, bringing these indictments forth. So I wanted to bring this to you. The fear is that bringing these indictments on Donald Trump, actually they're never going to stick. And that is only going to make him more popular and probably allow him to cement his stance as the number one Republican winning that nomination, heading to the 2024 election as the GOP nominee. Do you think, knowing that, that that is still the right thing to do to come after him with these indictments? Yes, it is, because everybody should be held accountable for their actions. And I don't think that a fear tactic, like that's, that's a, it's a fear tactic. Like, oh, he's just going to become more powerful. Oh, he's just going to, I don't care. He's already powerful. Yeah. He's, he's already, he's, he, his voter base is loyal to him no matter what. And you're not going to convert people that are maybe halfway to agreeing with the kind of ideologies that he's bringing forward because they're becoming more and more outlandish. I know people kept telling me post this, this interview that he just did with, um, I won't drop the F bomb on your show, but Tucker Carlson with an F. Um, it's yeah. what we call him in the house. Um, you know, okay. oh, he did this interview is totally unhinged. And I'm like, I don't care. I, if, if, if I, I mean, has he done an interview while, that wasn't unhinged? I mean, I want, I want to see that interview. Did, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm sure there's one that exists for about two seconds where he says like yeah. a full sentence, but he, I, I am tired of people being afraid to persecute this guy. because He's going to be more powerful. He knew he was powerful when he was running for president. He said, I could go out on Fifth Avenue right now and shoot someone and people would still vote for me. So I believe please him too. stop. Yeah, I believed him then. I did. I think I told yeah. you before I did a um, back in college, back in the Stone Age, apparently, because early 2000s is a Stone Age for college. <laughs> I was in a sociology class and psychology follow up, and we had to pick a public person that we felt was uh, displayed narcissistic qualities. My person at that time was Donald Trump. And it started with my beef with him for being in a McDonald's commercial with Grimace. I don't know if y'all know who Grimace is. You know who Grimace is? <laughs> yes, I know who Grimace is. <laughs> then I saw the same guy in Home Alone. And I was just like, why are why is this creepy old man <laughs> in Home Alone? Then Nelly was rapping about him, you know, like Donald Trump being in his. And I kept hearing his name. And I'm like, I yeah. have got to get away from this guy because I would see his interviews. And 
this was before the internet was really archiving things. So people were telling me, hey, do you know what he did with the Central Park Five? Mm. So before before the internet, I had to hear this from people who lived it. And so I was like, this is going to be my, this is going to be my guy. He has been this way. He has, he has always claimed that he's the most powerful man and, and people believe him. There's a, there's a type of person that believes when, when people have that kind of rhetoric out there, Yeah, you're not going to make him more powerful. He's already there. He knew it in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. That's why he kept plugging people to put him into his songs. That's why he kept going around pretending he was a multimillionaire. So people would use him as a standard. He's a sham. Treat him like one. Indict him like one. That's that. That was my position then. That is still my position now. And I know people disagree with it, but you know, I I do not disagree with that. You know, the, the, when I was talking to people privately about this, I was just saying it. It's just as simple as this. If he committed a crime, he should be prosecuted. Like the end. Like we, we shouldn't. This is actually a great thing for America, my personal opinion, because. The, one of the issues that we have is that we believe that these politicians, all of them, not just Trump, we believe that they're somehow above the law, that you know the rules yes. don't apply to them, that they are this upper class of citizen that can get away with just about anything. And we complain about it all the time. You know, we sure. really do. We complain about it all the time. You're like, oh, look at this person getting away with this, this, and this. I think it's really almost humanizing to see that like even a former president can be brought into court and arrested. Like that is something inspiring to me. And you know, personally, I don't care who it is. Like, I don't care if it was a Democrat. If they had committed a crime, they should be prosecuted. If you commit a crime, you should be prosecuted. The end. And and I'll admit that nothing's going to come from this Stormy Daniels thing. I don't believe no, so. No, this if, is the lamest one of them all. This no. is, and, and I will tell you this, uh, just real quick. It is, you're Gen Z, correct? No, I'm a millennial. No, millennial Gen Z, y'all are the reason that this conversation has changed. Because that God status that you're talking about above the law status Still yeah. very much exists with the boomers and the uh, the silent generation. This is the new generation of hold everybody accountable. And I can't tell you how refreshing that is. So props to Gen Z and the millennials for, for bringing this forward. So yeah, to- yeah, no, um, definitely millennial. It's, it's something that I'm definitely seeing from us. You know, I think being on the internet more, we're able to have more access to information. So we're not getting our information just from the mainstream media who always, it's always cycled down and filtered to what, you know, basically the powerful people want you to hear. You know, I think the more access to the information just allows us to be more critical about these things. And, you know, to that effect, you know, I think that the potential indictment that he might face from Georgia, a lot more significant- a lot more mm-hmm. significant because, you know, he kind of was on the phone saying to find me 11,000 votes. Um, it was going to open shot case to me, but move on from that. Talk about that a different day. <laughs> no, I, things- that's the one I've been waiting for. So fingers <laughs> yeah. crossed on that one. The yeah. Stormy Daniels thing was just, we, we had fun with the memes, y'all. Just, yeah, just enjoy that no, time. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking that one seriously. Um, what I am taking seriously, though, is something that's been happening with the Supreme Court. And... Ever since, I think, Roe being overturned last year, it almost just feels like, you know, a little bit before that, and obviously since then, it's just been just this cascade of all these decisions being made by the Supreme Court. You know, obviously following Amy Coney Barrett being appointed by Trump right before the 2020 election. You can go through. Hang on. You might want to read. He's like standing at the corner. Do you want to repeat that? Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. So starting with, you know, 2020, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, obviously being elected by Donald Trump, you know, in a way where they elect somebody in an election year after they said four years prior to that, that you shouldn't be electing people in an election year, you know, keeping things consistent. So now there is a six to three conservative majority on the courts, 
when I spoke to you previously, you know, you had mentioned that you thought that it might be a good idea to to expand the court, to pack the court, really. Um, now we're seeing stories come out this week about Clarence Thomas and all the things that he's accepted, basically bribes for, for, for my opinion of it anyway. Um, what, what are your thoughts on what needs to happen with the Supreme Court? Is it a good idea to expand the court? Is that going to have any real blowback? Um, like, what do you think we need to do about the overreach that we're seeing from the Supreme Court and I guess their partisanness and how they're ruling on all these cases that keep getting kicked up to them? Well, definitely, um, we need to take a look at Clarence Thomas and remove him from the bench because uh, today, again, you know, they talked about his, uh, I, be I believe that billionaire uh, owns his, uh, owns some home that he and his family <laughs> bought from it. I mean, like, it's just, it's endless. And and these are bribes that, that's, like you said, let's call it what it is. Yeah. So we need to take a look at Clarence Thomas. He is not above the law of land. And I know a lot of this, and I hate the word unprecedented, but I know this is not stuff that we've had to deal with before but we have to deal with it now. Um, I, I think that when a few other things come out, there's a couple other justices we need to look at, not really Amy Cohen Barrett, um, but uh, what's his name? Um, Kavanaugh. Like, yeah, Brett Kavanaugh. Know, yeah, who paid who paid off your bills? Again, that now we're seeing that that money is a is a factor in all of this, right? Uh, and and people, people always tell me like, if you pack the court, well, the Republicans are going to do the same. They're already telling you they're going to do it. Why do you keep waiting? Why do you keep waiting for them to do something you know they're going to do before yeah. you do it? We have nine Supreme Court justices. There are 13 circuits. There should be 13. So I'm just saying that these are things that are important. We're not asking for something outlandish. Um, and we need our justice system to work for us. What they're doing right now is, is what I talked to you about before, is that they've set up on purpose. And, and this is why I tell, I tell people your, these elections are important because when the when the president appoints these Supreme Court justices, it's a life term. Yeah. And and if and if things from these federal courts, like these lower these lower circuits, make it to them, they make a federal ruling that like the Mifa Pristone one, right? The one that started here, the that that comp that small uh, group of Christian doctors that literally shopped out Judge Kazmierich here in Amarillo, Texas. So that they could do this all under the guise of darkness, and he was a he was a Trump appointed justice. He he made a ruling that's going to affect everybody in the United States. That I'm going to take Mifepristone off the shelves because I think it's unsafe based on the case that I'm hearing. And he knew that you know I think it was a Washington judge, an Obama appointed judge, challenged him, and he knew that cool. That's what's going to happen. This is going to go to the Supreme Court, and we all know what the Supreme Court's going to do, right? They're probably most probably going to vote in a in a non-favorable manner. I would hope that they would not and and they would, you know, be just about it. The Biden administration has, I think, asked the Supreme Court to intervene or the Department of Justice. I'm not sure. I didn't read up on that completely today, but that's why these things are important. That's why making sure that there are fair amount of justices that represent the views of this country and not just somebody that was appointed by a literal madman who's just looking for people that would upend the, the you know, like, uh, what is it, Judge Kaczmarek that was appointed by Trump literally has said that um, it's like, I think it's deviant behavior uh, or uh, disorderly behavior to be, to be, um, uh, what do you call it, LGBTQ. Yeah. Uh, he's worked very hard against, uh, and he's published several pieces. He's helped be a uh, law advice for a lot of these super conservative Christian groups. So their bias is showing there, and this is going to affect everybody. That's why it's important that 
that we do something about the Supreme Court or they're going to make decisions for us that are going to affect us for the, essentially until, you know, we all pass. I have one very, like, I, I think it's a simple question, but maybe you might feel differently. Do you think we should elect Supreme Court justices like yes. as, nationally? Yes. Why do you think that is not the case currently? That's just, just the way it's been set up. That's just, um, I mean, it was it was a position that was designed, I believe, if I remember correctly, from <laughs> ancient days of school. It was a position that was that was meant to to be a, a lifelong position to prevent yeah. people from being bribed and you know to to protect the integrity of it. And obviously, we it's see that integrity. Yeah, integrity is not what's we found people that are trying to find loopholes and not integrity um, yeah. in our current political spectrum. And so, yes, I do believe that it should be they should be elected. That's how I'm feeling about this. You know, two things to make this a lot easier. One, 20 year term. That's plenty. That's yep. plenty. I mean, we could even do less than that. Less, make it, <laughs> less you know, it, it could be a term, you know, and I've heard people say like, oh, you know, you shouldn't try to politicize the court that way by, make, by turning in something where you would elect them. I'm just like, that argument never made any sense to me. You know, I had an election just like, what was it? A couple of years ago where I voted for the state Supreme Court here in Montana, voted for that judge where I voted for judges here in my local city Correct. of Missoula. You know, I actually Same. interviewed someone who was running for a judge here in the city. It, it just, it doesn't make any sense that we would have different criteria for these different levels of government. If I can vote for my local judge and for my state Supreme Court, why can't I vote for the national Supreme Court? Doesn't make any Correct. sense to me. You know, and I think I that would very much alleviate some of the problems that we're facing because they would have to appeal to us. They would have to, you know, make their case to us why they deserve to be there, right? Yep. But what are you going to do? You know, the, one of the last <laughs> things I wanted to ask you about here, maybe ending on something that's kind of cycled out of the news a little bit, but I, I, I get the feeling it's going to bring its way back in here not too long from now. So I think it's still worth talking about the TikTok ban. Now that's kind of in limbo right now. I'm not really sure what's going to happen about it. Uh, as you mentioned before, you know, they tried to pass something called the restrict act, you know, in the it's face still on of the it. table, it's yes. still on the table, which it's an egregious piece of legislation. It doesn't, and one doesn't even ban TikTok, which is what they said they wanted to do. Uh, it feels like basically taking the Patriot act and shooting it up with steroids, making it a whole lot yep. worse. Um, absolutely a disgrace. So I, hope that more people can come out and speak out about that and that never sees the light of day. But beyond that, I'm sure that we're not done with trying to ban TikTok in this country. Where do you stand on this issue as far as do you think TikTok should be banned? And where do we go from there if we do ban TikTok? Like, are they going to ban other apps? Like, like well, what's next after that? Yeah. So, so I've never believed in the ban in the first place. Um, you know, I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it collects more data and this and that. Yeah. Um, all, all apps collect your data. And um, I would say if you're concerned about TikTok collecting and manipulating data and, uh, you know, that it's a Chinese owned app, four of the five um, current top five apps on your app store are Chinese owned. And I don't hear that same uproar about that. So this has been a push from Meta for a long time. And yeah. I don't know if you saw today, I think there was a bunch of cuts again, and they they are just having their lunch eaten by TikTok and they yeah. cannot compete. So they lobbied uh, the entire, the entire uh, all Congress people, right? And uh, they, they were hoping that they could spoon feed them these questions. And then when the hearing happened and you watch these Congress people ask like, can TikTok connect to my home Wi-Fi? 
and and you and, and you see the types of questions that they ask um and they would not if it's a hearing then let the then let the person that you're asking questions speak right um, it was embarrassing and these are the same people no matter what your views on tiktok are i know people on instagram feel differently because they are meta product users i use both products um you know are you going to ask that same question i think it's a minecraft is also a chinese owned company um are, are is this a a overarching thing and then are we going to start censoring media are we going to start censoring apps kind of like what they do in north korea kind of like what they do in china you were asking well why is this available why is this version of tiktok available in the us and not available in china simple because they regulate their media and what goes on on the internet in china the way they want to so this restrict act is actually not a tiktok ban they tried to formulate it to sound like that and what the restrict act is like you said, it's a Patriot Act on steroids, and they let the Patriot Act lapse because they could not, when they were trying to renew it, they could not come to terms with certain things, so it just kind of vanished. And basically what the Patriot Act is for a lot of kids that maybe not know or people that were not aware, they the government was allowed to spy on you for any reason, monitor your phone, you know, you name it. Anything. This is a, anything, and they don't have to give you a reason for it, and that's exactly what this Restrict Act is. They can monitor any any sort of app over a million users, um, if they feel like it needs to be taken away, the president will be able to get the power to basically create a small uh, organization that doesn't have to answer to anybody that will decide which, you know, which of these are considered a threat, which apps, which situations are considered a threat. They make the decision, they answer to no one. And so that can vary if you got somebody like DeSantis in office, who literally is trying to figure out ways so that you can't make comments about bloggers can't make comments about him okay so he's he's on that end or you've got biden whose administration may not you know they they utilize us they utilize tiktokers instagrammers to get their messaging out okay yeah but there's a lot of the administration that may not understand that so the restrict act is not only that it can they can any of your local networks it is any single piece of internet that you are attached to any sort of uh wi-fi you name it they can monitor it without asking any questions Every single American should be asking their congressperson why they would sign a piece of legislation like that. I've had this conversation not enough times in this podcast because for me, you know, it, there's there's a couple of different things going on here. The first of them is this brings up data privacy, data rights that we sure. don't have in this country, right? Because if the actual legitimate argument was TikTok is invasive, it's taking your information, it is a security risk, it is doing all of these invasive things that we shouldn't be allowing, well, then you're telling me that we are vulnerable as a collective here in America. So instead of banning TikTok, why wouldn't you just raise up the floor and make it so that no company can do that, not just TikTok, and so that if any company violates our data rights, then they would all be subject to a ban. Wouldn't that be the way to actually protect people? That would be in my case anyway, in my mind. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is going after one app in particular. And if you understand TikTok, as you were saying, about eating their lunch, I mean, more specifically, you know, for what people might not understand is that more and more people are spending more and more time on TikTok's app. Like their screen time rate is going through the roof. And mm -hmm. I think what this really comes down to is it's just about money. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that everyone is able to generate money from these apps. Obviously they have advertisements on there, so on and so forth, but the bulk of their money comes from data. They're selling data everywhere throughout the world. And TikTok is now being able to collect more data from more people all over the place. 
and Microsoft and Google and Apple and Meta, they just cannot keep up. And so I, I it, it would be not shocking to me whatsoever if this is just a combined effort on their part to basically go in, lobby the US government and say, hey, we can't compete with TikTok, so please get them the hell out of here because we're making a lot less money because of them and that needs to stop. But that's there just was, been my there, read on that. But there is, there was an entire project um, where they went and they lobbied the GOP and the GOP yeah. was easy because we 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 use TikTok to you know get them out of office. A lot of them, right. um, including their their Lord and Savior, the Orange Man. And if you take a look at the people who are 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 for this TikTok ban, as they call it, they all own Meta stock. Isn't that weird? Mm. Right. Oh, so I, I personally don't believe that. Yeah, super <laughs> shocker. Um, and on and on top of that, I feel like the TikTok ban itself is um the way they spoke to the uh to the owner of the or the the ceo of the app who is singaporean okay mm -hmm. um it was very xenophobic like this whole cc this communist party this this communist party that facebook literally had listings while this was going on somebody did a video and i couldn't post it meta meta took it down they have uh they the you know somebody was like can uh, who is that clown that was like can tiktok uh, monitor the dilation of my eyes to see what needs to be amplified on the algorithm. Oh, I'm sure gosh. I screwed that up because it was a hulk of shit, <laughs> but it wasn't a hulk of shit because if you go and you looked up Facebook jobs in, I think it was, I forget, it was in um, Shanghai or Beijing, Meta was looking for people that was going to help with eye, like uh, like facial recognition software and things of that yeah. nature in China. So The hypocrisy is amazing. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. the The whole thing was was and and like I said, the xenophobia was so outrageous that they couldn't tell the difference between Singapore and China, and I, <laughs> the server spaces and everything. And I just, um, I worry, uh, because if that's the type of and, oh, and then they switched uh, from this being a a privacy issue to, you know, kid. Do you know how many kids are unaliving themselves because they watch stuff on your platform? Okay, even if six kids did it. Six kids is too much. But you know what else? You did not keep that same energy when it comes to gun laws. You're the same people that have no problem with kids going to school, hiding under a desk and not making it back home when 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 a shooter comes in. So you've picked a lot of really ridiculous uh, standpoints with no merit and we see it. And I hope that people start asking their congresspeople, their representatives, how are you voting on the Restrict Act? Because if you're going to monitor me, then you're not the type of person that I would want to, you know, represent me. You know what? The amount of straw men kind of like arguments that you hear and just, you know, misrepresentations and caricatures, it, it's, it seems to be relentless, right? It's something that we have to deal with constantly when we're, when we're creating content on a day in and day out basis, figuring out what to post, what not to post, like how to address this, how to combat this narratives. For me, I think it's exhausting. I, I really do. It, it is a relentless, just, just spindle of nonsense. And I think it can kind of like wear you out on, you know, on a day in and day out basis. You know, th this is the last question I have for you. As somebody here, again, constantly in the news, constantly creating content, what is it that I guess is the motivating factor for you personally? Like, why do you do this, you know, like day in and day out? And what's the one thing that you're hoping to, I guess, connect with people on when it comes to the political landscape right now? Well, when I started it, I was by myself. There was only like six of us at the state capitol in, in Austin protesting against the Iraq, Afghanistan war, you name it, right? And, yeah. um, you know, any sort of like NRA protest, we had like 50 of them versus five of us, and they were all pointing their guns at us. It was totally fine. 
Um, and that's, no, that, so. that, that's, that, that's no exaggeration. Yeah. I was just like, okay, um, you're not going to shoot me, are you? But okay, well, let's do this. I have seen it go from that to what happened after Uvalde and how people showed up to protest the NRA here in Houston, Texas. Mm. We filled up, There's they had the NRA convention going on and the entire mall, and it's 105 degrees outside. People were fainting because it was so hot in the back. The entire green yard in front was packed versus five people that I saw 15 years ago. People that were never interested in politics, they'd be like, Sally, why it's so boring, right? And now I'm seeing this new generation of people getting involved saying, wait a minute, why is my legislator doing that? Why why is my congressperson doing this? All of a sudden people are involved and that's all I've ever hoped for because without yeah. involvement, people, they, they want you to stay dumb so they can do what you want. So what keeps me going is people like yourselves and all the effort that you put in that does not go unnoticed. So thank you very thank much. You. And, and every single person out there, even if you're taking three minutes out of your day just to catch the headlines on any of our platforms and you're like, wait a minute, this is... This is something I need to tell my mom about because she votes this way. Maybe she doesn't know this. The fact that people are getting involved and and it's not such an alone battle. I know it seems very scary right now because it is. Yeah. But we're not in this alone. We are all communicating now. And that's all. I, I could have never seen this, you know, many years ago that, oh, we're going to stare into our flip phones and then be able to see people share their thoughts and knowledge from around the world. And and here we are. So I I couldn't be more honored to be in the company of everybody that's fighting the good fight. And I know it's sticky out there, but you, it's, it's everybody here that keeps me going. I love that. I love that. You know, there's, there's so many different reasons why people are doing that, but it's always really encouraging when it's just like, Hey, like the world's fucked up. Like, let's try to make it a better place. Right. Cause yep. we just need more of that, like legitimately, because there's a huge lack of that in places like Washington. So if we can find it somewhere else, maybe push those people, I think we'll all be better off for it. Sadia, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. Uh, for those who are interested in knowing more about you, like where can people find you at and like connect with you online? Sure. So um, I don't use Twitter anymore because Elon Musk owns that. So if you go there, it's a dead page. But uh, if you are on TikTok, if you are on Instagram, I do keep up with those very heavily. It's Sadia underscore 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 M. And uh, it's the same on both platforms. And I appreciate you so much, Desmond, for all that you do. And and it's, I know it's it's a lot of work and it's tireless work that you do. And a lot of people don't know what goes into it. And um, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. For those who are interested, those links will be in the episode description. So go ahead and click in the, to the episode description. Now you will see those links. If you liked this episode, please go ahead and share it on social media, wherever you spend most of your time, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, if you're still on Facebook, Snapchat, I hear that's a thing still. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you liked the episode, please go ahead and share it. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening to this episode today. We will see you in the next one.